Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh. Serve fast. Serve friendly. Lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. In episode 35 of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's, Oscar sits down with Rob Bromley, formerly of Channel 27 WKYT in Lexington. Rob Bromley was a member of the media covering the Wildcats for the last 40 years up to his retirement in 2017. And Rob has witnessed quite a bit covering the Cats. However, we'll start back in Rome, New York, and how Rob became interested in broadcasting. From Rome, New York, Rob will take us to Butler University in Indianapolis and then to Lima, Ohio in his early days starting out in radio and television. And we'll find out how he ended up in Lexington and having an outstanding career working in television and, of course, one of the best seats in the house when it comes to covering the Cats. Oscar and Rob will talk a little baseball, the broadcast industry, former broadcast partners and bosses, and we'll go behind the scenes when Rob held play-by-play duties for Kentucky's Final Four game against Wisconsin. And there's some excellent advice from Rob to aspiring young people who would like to pursue a career in the media. I'm Bo Robinson, and growing up in the 80s and early 90s, it was a big deal if you could stay up a little later to watch the Cats on tape delay on television. Whether it was football or basketball, you could also call it Late Night with Rob Bromley. Well, there's no more late nights for Rob Bromley anymore as we wish him well in his retirement. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and his guest, Rob Bromley. Rob, how does a kid from Rome, New York, end up 40 years later in central Kentucky and makes this his home? Well, it's, uh, I was very blessed, Oscar, and it was, uh, it was, a, it was a journey. But uh, my, my parents were, uh, were both uh, from Buffalo. Uh, my dad was a, a government employee, and uh, we lived in Rome because Griffiths Air Force Base was there, and that, he was a civilian. But um, I made my way uh, after you know going to high school there to, to Butler University in Indianapolis uh, for four years. And then the, the idea was to get into radio. I, I took a radio job in Lyme, Ohio. When I couldn't find another radio job in Lyme, Ohio, the TV job opened up. I, I walked into the door of the TV station, and then two and a half years after that, I was on I-75 driving to Lexington on an ice cold January night in 1977. Welcome to here. the so-called yeah. South. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go back. But, let's go back to your high school days. Uh, yeah. Playing sports in high school? Played one year of football uh, and didn't have a lot of fun. I mean, this was 1966. So uh, uh, the coaches ran the ball and I was an end. And, How many uh, went around? <laughs> no, no, neither. Neither was all the stuff that was going. Like I mean, in the NFL, Oscar watching that black and white TV, they were throwing it all over the field. You know, I mean, I watched Y.A. Tittle 
and Sonny Jurgensen and all these guys. And they were starting to throw it in the college game, too. Roger Staubach threw it around pretty right. good. Well, I thought that's what it would be like, but I was wrong. <laughs> and they ran it probably 85% of the time. And I remember our running backs uh, complaining. Sort of like today's Army-Navy games. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. And I, I remember listening to Army-Navy and, you know, Joe Bellino and uh, you know, growing up uh, only about 45 miles from Syracuse, people might wonder where Rome is, about 45 miles from Syracuse. I'm too young to remember when Jim Brown was there, but I sure remember, you know, uh, Ernie Davis and, and Floyd Little and Larry Zonka and, and went to Syracuse, went to game there at Archbold Stadium, saw him play Navy in 66. And uh, yeah, but it wasn't, I, I wanted to catch passes and uh our, our running backs, I remember they were complaining about getting beat up. And at least I felt like, well, I wasn't one of the guys who was getting beat up. So were you a receiver? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And played in. Played in. I was an end, yeah. An end, they called it, yeah. So at what part of your high school career did you become interested in uh, broadcasting as a career? Well, I, I think, you know, really, it, you know, it goes back to watching that black and white TV with my brother and um, listening to the radio, too and getting interested in sports. And probably along about my junior year of high school, I, I got involved in, in a school play, which one of the English teachers did, and got involved in the school speaking contest, uh, was able to win it my senior year. And I think along in there in high school, I got this idea of kind of combining the interest that I developed in sports from you know watching it and listening to it on the radio with my brother to to being a sportscaster and you know let's let's try to do this and I was always blessed that I had parents who uh, they let me do what I wanted to do you know they they were they were behind it and radio was still very very big then yes yes it was I became Oscar I became a fan of the team listening to the radio the the with the great Wilt Chamberlain listening to the Philadelphia 76ers on WCAU, because at night, 50,000 watts from WCAU, Radio 121, Philadelphia, they directionalized right into upstate New York. So I was sitting there, I should be doing my homework. And I, you know, those great 76er teams, I, I would be listening to those games every night. And uh, Did you ever, by happenstance, uh, Catch K. Wood Lippard over eight forty out of Louisville. You no, know, that, that's a that's a good question. And but uh, you know, I I don't know how directionalized WHAS's signal was. I did not. You could get it in New York City. You could get it I know in that. New York City. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I I did not. But I, you know, I I, I, I do recall hearing uh, on a Saturday night. I do recall hearing WWL in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Chinese bandits, LSU. Yes, yes. Paul Dietzel. Paul Dietzel. Uh, yeah, what a, what a team they had there. In could the you get whoa whoa out of Fort Wayne, Indiana? You know, I think you could. I don't know how much sports they carried. It's mostly music. Mostly music, but huh. you know, I mean, we we, we um, you know, I remember listening. What about to, KMOX in yeah, St. Louis? Yeah, KMOX, Harry Carey, listening. I remember laying in. KDKA. Laying, yeah, KDKA. Bob Prince, um, and listening. You couldn't get. You couldn't get. WBZ in Boston very well. Uh, Johnny Most did the Celtics games. Yes. And uh, uh, you couldn't get, uh, I, I could get it well enough to, probably the Johnny Most wasn't much of an announcer. I could hear it well <laughs> enough to get that. So but now we're growing up in New York, fan. Red Sox fan or Yankee fan? 
Well, you know, Aline, actually, my brother was a big Yankee fan. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't, you know, we kind of took opposite sides. Little old sibling rivalry. Well, yeah, and actually, you know, back then, Oscar, the the Milwaukee Braves had some great teams. Oh. They did. Remember and, Wes Covington? Oh, yes. And, of course, I liked I liked Hank Aaron. Eddie Matthews, and I kind of got and into... And Cop Brothers? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Frank Torrey and Joe Torrey, and I, I got into kind of being a Braves fan. So, And then that all came out of the, the early days of listening to baseball and watching baseball from those series in the late 1950s. But uh, was very fortunate as a youngster to be able to be able, because it's a different world now, to be able to listen to and watch the Yankee Network back in those days in the late 50s and the, the second half of the fantastic dynasty that they had when they won like, I don't know, something like 12 out of 14 pennants or something. Uh, Seemed like Yogi Berra played forever. Yeah, he did. He did. He did play forever. And there were, you know, like, uh, but, but Mantle and Maris and Elston Howard, I'll never forget sitting on the floor of our rec room and on a, you know, that first weekend that in October 1961 and Watching Maris hit 61, I, I, you know, I, I witnessed it. It was on TV, but I witnessed it, and I'll never forget it. And, you know, unless you lived in, were in that part of the country, back in those days, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have seen that on that Sunday afternoon. In the you know, 50s, when I was going different. to high school, they allowed us, they, they just cut out the period from 1 to 3 in the oh, afternoon when the games uh, were played, yeah. turn on the radio. You, mm. If you didn't want to listen to the game, you just laid your head down on your desk and took a nap. Yeah. Yeah, well, they didn't. They wouldn't let us do that today. Right, no, they wouldn't let you do it today. I remember if you had a study hall um, in junior high and high school, you they, they would have a TV on and you could watch it. So how did you wind up at Butler? Well, I, you know, I didn't, uh, quite honestly, my, my grades weren't so hot, so the, the choice of schools wasn't so great. And when you looked at the way the schools were set up in New York State, um, uh, the, the schools really didn't have a good program for to, to try to get interested in radio or journalism, communications, whatever. I just started looking in books and kind of found Butler University on my own. And what attracted me to it was they had a student radio station. And there were other schools that had that too. But I really felt that uh, Butler at that time, and certainly it probably stands out, a lot more, not only academically but athletically, than it did that. I thought it kind of stood out, and uh, academically, it wasn't as rigid then as it is now, and it was within reach. It, you know, it wasn't too far away. It was pretty easy to and inexpensive to fly home through Detroit, or I, I'm, I remember riding the bus home. Uh, I didn't have a car the first two years, but it was a fantastic, Oscar, it was a fantastic experience being, because uh, yeah, the, the campus was great. Uh, I remember the field house. I, I remember uh, being in Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis is a tremendous city today. I thought it was a great city then. It was only about a half million then, but it was great. I, re I, re I remember uh, when I first started hearing about Butler. Uh -huh. And this would have been sometime in the late seventies, yes, before they become known as yeah. who they are today. They played and here I in nineteen eighty one. They yeah. played a game here, yeah. and right. I ended up going with Joe B up to the um, Olympic Festival, yeah, and it was held at Butler, and he yes. was recruiting some kids there. 
Yeah. And I'd heard about the field house. Mm-hmm. And it was everything I was told plus a little bit more. Yeah. And then I sort of, sort of forgot in that. And then I noticed a certain local sports anchor here in Lexington got a little extra <laughs> hop in his step when Brad Stevens started building that powerhouse. Yeah. yeah. And the weekend they went to the Final Four for the first time. Yeah. That, that had was, to be a great joy to you as an alumnus. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know it's more Oscar than than I ever could have uh, dreamed that it would that it would turn into. And I'll tell you this: when I was there, my junior and senior year, of course, you're going back to the days when the NCAA was only a 2014 tournament and the NIT was 16, and all the teams went to New York. I thought there in in the early uh, 70s in, in uh, my Freshman and sophomore year were Tony Hinkle's last two years. So I saw the last game that he coached against Notre Dame. Austin Carr scored 50 for Notre Dame. But I thought a realistic goal was to get in the NIT maybe once every three or four years back then. But you know something? You've got to want to do it. You've got to want to do it. And finally, uh, you know, I think they, they got to the point where there was somebody there who could, who could get it going. And they've had such a successful line of coaches there. They've got a lot going for them. They're in a great city. They've got, they've got the great tradition. Yes, yeah. They've got the they've got the the campus. It's a it's a fantastic setting on the northwest side of Indianapolis. And fortunately, the hiring that they've done is, and it looks like now under Laval that it's that it's it's going to continue to go well. I think that's one of the schools that actually benefited from the one and done. Because they're building yeah. for the future. And there mm-hmm. are players right there on that so-called three-star label mm-hmm. that maybe is mm-hmm. undervalued at three stars. Yes. Like if they there. were going to Kentucky or North Carolina, they'd be a yeah. four or five. Yeah. Uh, good examples, kid, we had right here in Lexington that went mm-hmm. up there. Yeah. You know, and so they take them. Right. And they sort of grow them. Yeah. You don't see too many freshmen playing there. No. In key roles. But, boy, by the time they get to be sophomore, junior, and senior, and uh, anybody that labels Butler as a mid-major school, they've been wrong for more than just a decade. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's it's something that the alums are very excited about, and it's 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 brought a lot to the the school. And I, not that I had any great vision, but I thought they could bring a lot of attention to the school back uh, when I was there. And it's uh, it, it's it's amazing. Timing is everything. And the way they climbed the financial ladder, it was, a, it was an old ICC school, Indiana Collegiate Conference School when I was there. And the way they moved through the conferences and were in the right place at the right time because they kept it up, it's just been, uh, it's been incredible. I could talk about Indianapolis for, <laughs> because you know my freshman year there was the second year of the old ABA. So I, oh, lived, yeah. I lived there. George McGinnis. Yes. Yes, now, my freshman year, uh, you know, I don't know how long we want to carry on about this, but, but, but my freshman year, George McGinnis and Steve Downing playing for Indianapolis, Washington, and they played in the, the state championship. So I wake up in the morning, and the Butler campus is littered with cars. Every place that you can imagine to park a car, there's a car parked. <laughs> and that afternoon, late that afternoon, early that afternoon, Steve Downing beat Marion on a shot off the baseline to put Washington in the championship. And they won the championship that night. This was the spring of 69, but I'll never forget from my freshman year, McGinnis and Downing 
Actually, they went on to IU. Yeah. IU wouldn't let them play the first year because of academics. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. But that's And then McGinnis mm -hmm. was playing. I remember him in the locker room with the Pacers there I'd, uh, my, before I graduated. George McGinnis was in the... The time of your senior and graduated, you started a little <laughs> bit of radio. You're actually doing something before sports. You're reading news. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I had to take... I took a full-time job at a radio station in Lima, Ohio. I wanted a full-time job. So I, I moved to Lima, Ohio and... Uh, uh, looking back on it, Oscar, it was tough on somebody who was 21 years old going into going into Lima, Allen County, Ohio. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, I learned. Uh, I, I got a lot of repetition, and I learned an awful lot. I did news, and I did ball games, high school football and basketball, $50 a game. I'll never forget driving up there. If I said to myself, if he offers me 500 a month, I'll take it. And he offered me five hundred a month, six thousand a year, fifty dollars a game. Talked him into doing the games, which he was happy with, yeah, because that brought in extra dollars. Those had to go on over on the FM because the AM was a was a, a daytimer. But then you know the economy helped me. The economy wasn't good, and that helped me because I couldn't find another job in radio. But then the door opened at the small NBC station there, WLIO. And in August of 74, I went on TV in, in, in Lima. And it was the first week on TV was the week that President Nixon resigned. Have any tape of that? <laughs> I wish the videotape, you know, we had those big two-inch tape machines. Uh, I don't know if I remember walking I through the door of a station and seeing those, the reels were that big. I wish I did. It's lost in history. There was like a big movie yes, reels at yes. the theater. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wish uh, I wish I did, but no. I from uh, '74 to the very beginning of '77, uh, I did, did television. You, how did you get introduced to Lexington, Kentucky? Uh, it was coming up on Christmas, 1976, and I picked up the phone, and I was basically in the same position because the economy still wasn't good. That I I couldn't find another job in TV, just like I couldn't find one in radio. But on the other end of the line was Denny, Denny Treese. And uh, he was from, uh, I believe, Upper Sandusky. And he would go home to see his parents. And he saw me when he was home. Saw and, you on TV? Yes, yeah, saw me on TV. And he said, well, we're going to expand our staff down here. We're going to go to two people. Uh, you do weekends, and would you come down and take a look at it? And I, I did, and about, you know, three, three to four weeks later, I was... Uh, I was on the air in, here in Lexington. So you were here what month of 77? I came in January. I came right after Rupp opened. Uh, okay. Yeah, right after Rupp Arena. I did not see the first game against Wisconsin. Uh, I remember the, the cold temperatures that, that winter, and, of course, the next winter was the big blizzard. But uh, it was the, first, the very first team that I saw was the team that lost to North Carolina in College Park. And to me... To this day, mm -hmm. I've never seen a more depressed locker room yeah. in all my years. In College Park, Maryland. In College Park, Maryland that day. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, they were good. Joe, Joe B. says they were actually better than 78. Is that right? And that's a little bit of a trade with uh, Macy coming in. Yeah. But he that's valued a, Larry Johnson's defense yeah. so much. Well, I've, yeah, I, I have a pretty good memory of it, uh, Oscar, especially um, it's ironic that 
the very first NCAA game, Kentucky NCAA game I saw was that game in College Park. I so was you didn't there. go to the first round? No. No, I didn't go to Philadelphia. And I'll tell you why. And just, But it's, it's ironic that it was a regional loss to North Carolina. The last NCAA Kentucky game that I covered back in March was a uh, regional loss to North. Isn't that ironic? Oh, it is. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? Yeah. But uh, Denny, uh, you know, the state tournament was being played at that time, and Denny was going to do the, uh, we did the state tournament on TV, I think it was that weekend. So they flew me up to College Park that Saturday morning and flew me back out of Washington that night. And I went, I was able to do the 11 o'clock news that night. But I saw the game. I remember the stall. Uh, they got it down to, they fell down by seven and they got back to within two or three. They, they got down within two. Yeah. And they called a block charge on Larry Johnson. Yeah. Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick was it, Rick. And, and do you know who called that game, by the way? One of the officials is Paul Galvan. Is that right? I looked that up the other night. I was just... <laughs> But I, the thing I remember most about that being in the millionaire thing mm -hmm. is Ralph Hacker and Kaywood Ledford got refused a meal in the media room. Is that right? I've not heard this that story. That they did not allow <laughs> only writers and wow. TV people got fed. Is that right? Yes. Whoa. No photographers, no radio <laughs> got fed. Mm -hmm. And if you could have seen... The face of Kay Wood. Oh. And then Ralph on top of it. <laughs> yeah. And you remember the big guy that was SID at Maryland, the name of Jack Zane? Yes, I do recall that name. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, he later got to be a good friend of mine, but he wasn't that nice. <laughs> and he had a little bit of a disposition yeah. of another person we knew that sort of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah. But uh -huh. I, I, I'll never forget <laughs> him telling Kay Wood, I'm sorry, that's, that's the rule. Yeah. So not all um, the rules were good way back then either. Well, I don't I don't recall that, but I'll uh, is the only time I was in Cole Fieldhouse. I'll always remember that. And I do I do remember how depressed it was. Uh, I remember doing the interviews. Of course, these were done on film. Mm -hmm. I had to. Um, I had another guy who met me there who was with the station. He didn't fly back with me, but we we flew back and I had to process the film that night and put the interviews. On the air, I remember talking to Rick, talking to Rick Roby and uh, some of the others, and it was a, it was Oscar. It was a, it was a tough, tough loss, and that was my, you know, that those those months, January, February, March of '77, that was my first experience with Kentucky basketball. Well, let's talk about that particular time because when you came mm -hmm. in, Channel Twenty Seven WKYT had the TV rights, and there was a, you had a UK TV network. Yeah, it was different time. Different time. Everything, um, everything was so much different as far as television. And at that time, then uh, you basically had a group of Ralph Gabbard, right. Ralph Hacker, mm -hmm. Jerry Kackendall. Right. Was there another person involved at that time? Well, let's see. I can't remember whether Jim Host was involved. Jim yeah, was. Jim, that's Jim a, that's the fault at that time. Yeah. But it would have been a partnership with WKYT, WVLK. Jim Host and Associates. Yes. And they formed a company called Kentucky Something. Yeah. No, I can't. Re I can't uh, recall that. You know, Wave as far as television, WAVE was in on it. That was yes. the Louisville connection. Yes. And that was so. Let's let's talk a little bit about. Uh, 
I guess Denny was doing that the first Denny year or two Denny, that you were here. Yeah, Denny was was doing the games and had been through the seventies. And and this was a time, Oscar, when you did. Oh, he probably did fourteen or fifteen basketball games, or maybe maybe if you go back, you know, there that were, far. There were a few you did live, but there was a bunch of them you did taped away oh, yeah. at eleven thirty. Because yeah, even even at that time, the SEC, even when I came here in the late seventies, the SEC wouldn't allow those those weeknight games to be shown live. So those were those were delayed. I can't remember really whether back at that time they allowed any conference games to be shown live, but. We we did live games and they were big games. Yeah, I think they allowed like something like three. Yeah, and then in addition you had the mm-hmm. Saturday network game. Right, that was live, but that was yeah. it. Yeah, but um, I mean we even Ooh. when I started doing the games in 1980, we probably did 13 basketball games or 14, and gosh, we did we did probably nine or ten football. Which, which and all the football games were taped late. Yeah, the football got started in nineteen. That really didn't crank up until nineteen seventy-seven. And of course, with winning, you know, <laughs> pretty, you had, had good pretty, teams in seventy-six and the Peach Bowl team, and then you know the ten and and uh, miraculously, yeah. as tough as the probation was, as deep as it was, they didn't put a ban on the TV games like they did later for right. basketball. Right, right. We then, still did. Right, yes. We we still did. Uh, still did the television. The thing about the television on football was they would only let you do one live game, and and I, I'll always remember. I benefited from that when I started doing the games because I did games in such great places. I I did a game at Oklahoma. I did, in 1980. I I, I did. I don't know how. Two or three games at Tiger Stadium. I did a game at Clemson, Claiborne's first year. What was your impression uh, when you got to Norman, Oklahoma, and saw that stadium? Uh, it was it was something else, and I, that was the season, the only season I did with Tommy Bell. Tommy did the first year that I did the games, and, and then Charlie. Let's tell our listeners yeah. who Tommy Bell is. Well, he's a, he was an icon, a local attorney, uh, NFL. Referee, and he was he uh, was a big investor in the first cable television system, telecable. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Tommy was. Uh, tell you, I, I was only with him that one year, but he's, he's a special person, Oscar. Very, very special person who I'll always remember. And you bring up Oklahoma, and I always remember. He said, "Rob, this is we're going to Boomer soon, Boomer Sooner country, Boomer Sooner," and. Uh, Boy, it was, uh, I mean, Oklahoma is one of the kingpins of, of college football, and to be out there that day. But Tommy, uh, Tommy was special, and I worked with him that one, that one fall, 1980, I always remember. Early on, tell me some of the people you worked with. You did play-by-play. Who is your color analyst? Well, of course, Jack was on there with me, and I'll, uh, I'll always remember... Uh, Jack Givens. Um, there was one other former player whose name escapes me at this time. It was from down around Elizabethtown, or I can't, I can't recall the, uh, I can't recall his name. But I always remember, you know, Jack, mm-hmm. you know, early on, uh, uh, being on the games, and uh, 
you know, with football, I, I mentioned uh, Tommy Bell the one year, but, uh, you know, the, with football, Oscar, there's just a long, long list. Uh, Charlie McCullers was great. He was one of Fran's assistants. Uh, fantastic. Uh, and then all the way down through, whether it was, I don't want to leave somebody out, but like Bill Ransdell, Derek Ramsey, I did one or two seasons there with Tim Couch. Dermonte Dawson was on for a season. Uh, and I don't want to leave out Dusty Bonner. He was he was fantastic. All the people that I worked with were were, were just uh, great. And it was a it was a phenomenal experience with basketball, uh, doing the games, doing doing a game, uh, you know, at Purdue. Uh, at Indiana. We we did you know, we did at Kansas, we I, did I, I know we'll big go games. through some of these later on, but I'll yeah. bring one up right now because <laughs> it's sort of special. Christmas Eve in Champaign, Illinois. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think was. you had to go solo that night. Yeah, I did go. Yeah, that Somebody was. couldn't get there to be right. with you or something? Right. Um, that was, uh, we actually had gotten into pay-per-view at that time, but they had a Christmas Eve game. This was 83. Mm -hmm. Christmas Eve game against Illinois. You know, back at that time, Kentucky always played Indiana and then usually one other Big Ten team. They had a couple of years with Ohio State. They played Purdue, uh, and they played they had a, they played Illinois. So this One was, of the officials couldn't get to the game. The officials couldn't The get, other one brought, got brought there in a yeah, curse. Yeah, uh, yeah, and they had, uh, they were... Uh, um, they were high school. I think. I think they got one guy who was a high school referee, and they had. He was actually jeans. in the stands in blue jeans. Had on blue jeans, right? And they got you him know. a pair of shoes, right? Joe Hall says this right. day it's the best officiated game he ever had. <laughs> <laughs> but Austin Austin Carr was supposed to do the game with me, and he did not get there. And uh, so I was on. This was a. It was like probably a one o'clock start, and we flew in there fine. On an old, we were still flying prop back then. Actually, didn't fly the bigger jets basketball until the 90s. But we flew in there on a prop, and uh, the storm whipped up that night, and it was pretty bad. It was a pretty bad blizzard, and they got they drew still probably well, I don't know six or seven thousand people there. But um, I did the game by myself, and one thing that was suggested to me maybe it was Ralph Hacker suggested to me afterwards that what I should have done was was pulled Dr. Singletary on there with me because he was on the trip. I always liked Otis a lot. And, uh, and he, he caught literally, you know what, from his wife for even going on the trip. Oh, and he not, guaranteed... I had not heard this story. Yes, and he guaranteed her that he would be home by 8 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And you well, got in at daybreak the next morning, Christmas oh, morning. Oh, Oscar, I'll tell you, I did the, I did the game, and uh, you know I'll never forget James James Blackman won it. I can't remember whether they were down one or whether it was tied, but he won the game, the yes. last second shot. Yes. We had the interviews to do for the coaches show and got out there, and of course the plane, well, we, we knew before we left the arena there was no flying out of there. No flying out of there. But Joe got a... Or somebody got a bus on Christmas Eve, and it's starting to get dark. It was dark. a little local company. Yeah. The man said, I'll take you back home, and got his son to go with him. And as Joe tells it, they started going up a couple of little hills and valleys, and the diesel fuel started gelling. Oh, wow. 
yeah. and they, they had to wipe the windshield every five minutes to keep it. What I, what I remember was they, they actually, for I, I don't think they went right out on the interstate because I don't know whether the interstate was closed or whether it was too treacherous. They so went they, on back roads. Yes, they did. Went on back roads for quite a while, and eventually we made our way out of the snow. It was still bitterly cold. But I'll remember it was about 3 o'clock in the morning when the bus pulled into Bluegrass Airport. We had to get our cars. And I remember pulling my stuff off that bus and running. Of course, there was no garage there at that time. That was just wide open with the wind, and <laughs> I was cold. <laughs> but that was, that was, it was Christmas morning. Little, wow. little personal thing here, too, before we get into the yeah. coaches and season. Sure. During your 40 years here at KYT, which you retired from in September, yeah. and really enjoyed the reception they had. Oh, thank you. It was and, an honor uh, to have you there and all those who came. Uh, basically, you had three bosses in 40 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ralph Gabbard, mm -hmm. Wayne Martin, mm -hmm. Chris Mossman. Yeah, all good people. Tell me a little bit about well, Ralph Gabbard was um, was the general manager when I came here, and uh, I'll tell you, he was uh, he was what you would call Oscar a, a broadcaster because he he knew all the air knew all the areas of the business really well. He knew the on air part of it and uh, the production part of it, and he knew you know the sales part of it. He was a, a broadcaster. Very strong individual. <laughs> Intimidate. He could be an intimidator. And, uh, you know, it was under his, I guess, under pretty much under his leadership that the, that the station had risen. I can't remember. I wasn't here when Ralph took over. But when I came here, WKYT Channel 27 was already number one. It was in Darvis Kincaid, who had, had the Kincaid Empire. He had passed away before I came, but the station was a, was a leader. It had already become the news leader. They, they had, they wanted the UK contract. So they dominated there. And, and Ralph was, uh, what? he was something else. He was one of the most impressive young people nationally in the business. Uh, and he, you know, it's so tragic when he passed away in, uh, 19, in September, like 52, September, nine, September, 19, 96, yeah, he was in his, I would say, early in his 50s. early 50s. Yeah. You know, he was, because I was, I was already uh, 46 at that time. And uh, it was a, a you know, tragedy to lose him. Uh, Wayne Martin, a uh, great friend and a, a person who uh, had a mutual admiration when he was coaching Moorhead. And I was He had kinda, a big year in 83. Oh, he did. I can't remember what year it was when they, they played Syracuse. Yes. Won an NCAA game. And actually, did he lead Moorhead to the NCAA two, on two occasions, or was it just one? I think it was two. Two, two. I, yeah. That two was occasions. the big one. Yeah. And I think they were ousted by Syracuse. That was the year that Georgia made the Final Four. Yeah. And that was the mm -hmm. original dream game for mm -hmm. Kentucky and Louisville. Mm -hmm. But uh, what a coach, and then trans transitioning into the business world, uh, first at WYMT down in the mountains, and then coming up to WKYT, and uh, uh, I always appreciated him uh, being behind me, and you know that 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 uh, you know the way I did things was 
was the right way to go about it. And then with uh, Chris Mossman coming in when Rent Wayne retired uh, five years ago, um, good leader, uh, person who's not from this part of the country, from the Northeast, from Maine. But uh, Eastern like you. Yes, has <laughs> been in the business a long, long time and uh, has provided tremendous leadership at that station, which today, uh, you know, it's changed a lot. It's, things have changed uh, a whole bunch. Uh, the boot, you, bootstraps you, are a lot tighter than they used to be, so it's tougher. But. When you were first here, mm -hmm. you lived in anywhere in Kentucky. Generally speaking, I, I think this was before telecable, mm -hmm. you turn on your TV and you had four choices. Right, yeah. And you could have a maybe an 18 share and you were sucking the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> right. An 18 share now and yeah. you would be the hero. You didn't have 500 channels to choose from. It's, you know, Oscar, I can remember when I lived in an apartment when I first came here and getting off the news on Sunday night and coming home, and the station signed off. I didn't have cable. And I guess maybe, I don't know whether it was us or, or whether it was Channel 18, ran a, a show, a tennis show that Vic Braden hosted. And this was the last thing that was on. <laughs> and, and when that went off, there wasn't anything, pal. That was, that's all, folks. It was gone for, the, for Sunday night. And it was just as is a different world. It's hard to explain to younger people now, Oscar, exactly what those days were like and how much it's changed. How much has changed as far as sports? What would what kind of advice would you give to a young person that's a freshman or sophomore in high school about getting into mm -hmm. first uh, the media business and second television, yeah. or would you say you need to be looking at health? Or real estate. Real estate or whatever. <laughs> well, uh, Oscar, it's like you've, you've really got to want to do it. You know, you, you have to have a passion for it because there's going to be sacrifice in most cases. Now, there's, there are some people, a small percentage, that are, that are going to be extremely talented. They're going to be very gifted. And there are other people that are going to have advantages. But there are always people what in, in, in anything that you do that are going to have advantages here and there. But and you can outwork the next guy. Yes, yes, you can. You can. And that's what you've got to be. You've got to have a passion for it. And you've got to go in and work hard. And you've got to be able to more than likely accept a very, very low wage starting out. Not that you're going to start at 500 a month, but, um, and, and, uh, but then, you know, I'll say this, you know, you, you can only, depending on what you want to do in life, you can, you, you can only maybe tolerate that maybe for so long and you got to be willing to, to maybe change. Let me ask you this life. question throughout the 40 years here. There's always little bumps sure. in anyone's life or career. Mm -hmm. Did you have to fight off any major bumps Absolutely. or decisions where you thought, maybe I need to either go somewhere or Absolutely. do something else? Absolutely. You know, there, there are times, yes, in the early, in the early 80s, uh, 
I mean, I, I had to, there was a point where I had to circle the wagons. Um, How difficult uh, was that? Well, it was hard. Um, you know, it, it kind of it uh, kind of sneaks up. It snuck up on me pretty pretty fast. Um, the reason that it did was that the ratings at uh, 5:30 were not that good. That was the reason. Um, but it was tough. But um, you know, I, I saw it through. I think I, all along I was determined to see it through. And you got to have faith. In it. If if I wasn't able to, I think you know I was going to be able to to continue on somewhere else. You had a lot of friends in the community, maybe that you weren't even aware of. You know, who absolutely. really came to your defense. And I speak of one yeah. because I know mm-hmm. that you may have had friends closer to you than this person, mm-hmm. but he was right there at the top. Happy yeah. Chandler. Yeah, happy, uh, happy Chandler, and uh, yeah, happy, and and uh, of course, uh, Brad Davis, who was younger than I was, was uh, had tremendous support. But what you said, Oscar, really strikes home. Yeah, there were so many people. Uh, and at that time, I'd only been here, let's see, six years, a little over six years, and had done weekends for three of those years, and had only been doing the weeknights in the games for three, for three, three to four seasons. But you're right; there were so many, uh, there were so many people, and it, it and it's still, you know, you mentioned uh, the the reception. Uh, that you came to, there were, you know, and the whole farewell over this last year, which is probably one of the best years of my life, the, the outpouring, but I'm still kind of, uh, you know, so humbled by it. And, uh, yeah, it is just uh, tremendous. You hadn't been here all that long, four, five, six years. Right. You had, you had some really good top talent in this city. You had Tom Hammond that went to NBC, did Notre Dame, still with NBC now. Tremendous broadcaster. You had Kenny Rice who went national. Yeah, Kenny, yeah. And of the three major networks, that comes back to you, Denny had just gone with the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, Denny went out to Kansas City and did, you know, did 13 seasons out there. And and, uh, you're probably thinking, did did I think about moving on? Was your love affair so strong that, you weren't interested in moving to a bigger market, or well, what went through your thought process? Nobody would have, you know, looking back on that, nobody would have turned down the opportunity that Denny had in 1980. And that was nobody, his dream life. Yes, yes, yeah. And he loved, as a youngster, he loved baseball. And I loved baseball. I was raised, I, I wasn't raised. Growing up in the part of the country I grew up in, I wasn't raised on basketball. I was raised on baseball first and then football. But, um, you know, to, to get back to what we were, what we were talking about as far as, uh, I, I, I think there was a point there in the mid-80s, you know, that I, I kind of felt like, you know, that, that this was a pretty good place. I'd been there about eight years at that time and that, you know, Let's let's keep going here, and there's there's a lot here. It's and it was just a yeah. few years later you married. And yeah, 1988, married Diane. Yeah, my son was born in 1991, so he's 26 now and doing really well. 
but it uh, you know I, I kind of made a decision there probably mid 80s that you know that this is a, this is a good place um, to call home um, not to jump ahead on you talk, you talk about my son I'm I'm so proud of him um, never asked me one thing about being a sportscaster never never asked me one thing about getting into the business I never really I never said one thing to him he wanted to be a, become an engineer and he went to UK got a degree in mechanical engineering and uh, is doing is doing so well uh, working over in Frankfurt now as a mechanical engineer and uh, but you know I, my parents always let me do what I wanted to do and I was very I'll, I'll never forget that and I wanted to let him do what he wanted to do. I wasn't going to drag him uh, in in any any direction. But to go back to what you were saying, as far as moving on, and and you know, you take you take chances, you take you take risks, and uh, I just felt like you know doing doing what I was doing here, and and uh, the life that I had here in in Lexington and Central Kentucky was pretty good. You did so many games on TV. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. In the latter years mm -hmm. here, most of those have been cut out from local TV by yeah. the SEC network and all that national stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, how special was it get to come back and do one mm -hmm. last game in the biggest stage of all? Yeah, to do the, to do the game at AT&T uh, AT Stadium, yes. the final four game for Turner. Well, uh, the story on that, Oscar um, – I don't know if they did it this past season. How many years did they do it? Did they do it this past March? I, I, I don't, I don't think, remember. I think yeah. they did it two or three years, four maybe. Yeah, yeah, they did it. I'd, I'd say they did it. Let's see, this was 2014. But uh, the story on that was um, I was in Indianapolis to um, up there covering the, the regional final. And, you know, a guy from Turner Sports called me. And said, of course, this was going to be the inaugural season that they ever did this. Had separate announcers, had four different teams, each of the schools. I said, well, yeah, sure, it'd be fantastic. This was if Kentucky won. If Kentucky won that mm -hmm. that evening, early that evening or late that afternoon. But it was a it was a thrill, and I've always been I've always been I've been lucky in so many ways, Oscar, and blessed in so many ways. But it turned out to be, you know as good a game as I, as I ever could have dreamed of. It been, was a tremendous game. How long had it been since it, you had done a game before that? Since I had done a basketball yes. game? Wow. It had been it had been five years since I had done a football game. And that was what I told the guy from the New York Times. I mean, the New York Times did a story on it. Of course, he took off on that. Here's a guy who had done a game in five years, going to do it and do a national broadcast. Uh, but it, it as, as far as a basketball game, I'm not really sure. It had probably been at least 10. Did you have butterflies that night? You know, waiting around to do the second game, I mean, it would have been probably less on, easier on the nerves if it had been the first game, but it was, it was the second game. And I'll tell you, uh, there was a quick turnaround. There was, there was 30 minutes from the end of the first game, which was the – Florida game, uh, and they wanted us right out there, and the announcers from the first game got up, and we sat down in the seats, and 
walking in there, I was I was a little nervous, and uh, they wanted to tape. You know, Dave Baker was going to do the sidelines, so they t they taped his. They taped what Dave was going to do for the for the pregame, and then they said, "All right, well now we'll we'll rehearse the open," and we we rehearsed the open, and it wasn't perfect. I mean, it was pretty it was it was pretty good, but it wasn't absolutely perfect. And then they said, "Well." We've a lot run, of people may not know yeah. it, but you're a perfectionist. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the story on that. They ran out of time, and they said they wanted to lay it down on tape. We'll do it again. We'll lay it down on, and we'll, and we'll, well, we don't, we don't have time. We're going to have to do it live. So, <laughs> I mean, they rolled the open, and Rex Chapman was with me, and I'll tell you, it was, it was absolutely perfect. And, uh, I I couldn't have asked for a better game in the ending with uh, you know Aaron Harrison hitting the shot and it's amazing it was the last Kentucky basketball game that I ever did and I got I got the best card out of the deck I was I was so blessed but it was it was a thrill I you know once the game started once the game got going, Oscar, it wasn't like you were sitting there with 75,000 people. Um, it was just... Just you and the teams. Yes, yes. It was, yeah. You know, you saw the, the teams, and Rex was on my right. A guy from CBS um, who was incredible with stats, he always had something in front of you on a little piece of paper. He always... You were never lost for words. Right. My stage manager didn't sit next. She sat behind us. Uh, um, yeah, never, never really lost for words. And uh, um, we were down right at court level, so it was actually a little hard to see in the corners. Jim, Jim Nance, uh, they actually had them up at a level that was a little higher, so they could see absolutely perfectly. But uh, as far as nerves were concerned, once it got going, there weren't any, and it uh, it was uh, it'd always be a fantastic memory. It's hard hard to believe now. It'll be almost four, it was almost four years ago. How fast it all goes by. But uh, you know, there were there were other games that I'll that I'll always uh, you know the one you mentioned there that game in Champaign, which was just a December regular season game. That I'll always I'll always remember that one. I'll always remember doing when Rex was a senior at Apollo and doing the game at Memorial Coliseum against Henry Clay, made for TV high school game. I think Sean <laughs> Sutton may have played in that game. Yes, that's right. That yeah, that's right. And I did that game with Dan Issel, just locally, um, a high school game. And Rex Rex won that one at the buzzer. I'll always remember that game, but there were, I mean, there were, there were so, so many and always have good memories of football too, even though, you know, the, for the most part, all in all, the football was a struggle the years that I've been here. It's just the way it's been, but it's, it's, I got so many good memories of the coaches and the players. When you start passing your 35th year here, when mm -hmm. you just, when did you start thinking about You've always said you would know when the time yeah. was there. Yeah. When did you, what led you to this time? 
Was it just the big four zero or? Oh, you know, I don't. No, nah, not not really. I I think um, getting into my mid sixties and then I retired at I turned sixty seven in September, um, and I I always uh, I always kind of felt that I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to do this forever. I'm not, and doing the weeknight sports is probably it's it. It looks easier than it is. There's a whole lot more that goes into it. And it's a, you know, the, the whole TV news business is a younger person's game. And I think I've realized that probably from the time I, I turned 60 and uh, going forward from there. So um, I, I just kind of felt like uh, it was it was time. I made up my mind probably during the holidays, probably about a year ago during the holiday period uh, last year, and told the station February first. And I said, you know, whatever you whatever you want to do as far as announcing it, I, I it was kind of my feeling we'd announce it when after basketball season ended. So they said, well, um, when basketball season ended, they wanted to go right ahead and and announce it in April. And I, I said. I said that was fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could have, I didn't have any, I didn't have any problem with that. I could have waited till May or June, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I retired, you know, uh, uh, right after I turned sixty-seven. Uh, so uh, it, was, it was last night was September 29th. But there wasn't any one thing. I just, I just think um, it, it, the, there is a level of stress. I think as I grew older my ability to handle stuff that don't go right, that was starting to get a little, getting thinner and thinner and thinner. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't, and that's on me. And I wasn't all that comfortable with that because stuff's going to go wrong and on live television. And you got to let it go. You got to let it go. So I, I think that, that, entered into it. I, I think another thing is, and we're going through the holidays right now, the hardest months were November and December with the two sports going at once and every, you know, just being able to try to enjoy Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And um, I, I, I just think it was a lot of things all rolled into one and it was, it was a good time. And I, I have not over it's only been it's been two and a half months now i guess not quite two and a half months um i haven't regretted it i haven't i haven't looking back i haven't regretted it. 10 years from now how would you like to be remembered oh well you know <laughs> you move on in this business and you can be forgotten pretty quickly <laughs> uh, um just as you know as and going out in public, people are fantastic to me. I mean, I had a doctor's appointment this morning, and then I stopped in a, I thought, well, I'll see what Burger King's like here for breakfast, and I stopped in a Burger King. And there was a guy there who uh, who said to me, uh, I, I'll miss your voice. I miss your voice. And uh, just somebody who, you know, who, who, who tried, you know, tried as hard as they could Every, every day and, and uh, um, went about it in the way that it, it ought to be gone about. You know, I think, I think that's, 
that's about all I could, could say as, as, as far as that's concerned. Uh, uh, people have just been, people who say that, uh, you know, I grew up watching it. And there's, there's, so, there's so many of those people. So I guess rather than somebody who just did it 10 or 15 years, I'm going to be remembered longer. And uh, I'm very thankful, very grateful, and very humbled by that. But uh, just, just somebody who did a, who did a, a good, solid job. And those are the announcers that I always admired. When, when I was when I was young, growing up, the people who did a good, straightforward, solid job. Thank you, Rob. Oh, Asker, thank you for having you're me. You're the best. Thank you. Oh, you're too kind. We'll have more with Rob Bromley in our next episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. But in the meantime, for more episodes of Conversations, you can listen to those at oscarcombs.com. Also, you can find episodes in iTunes, Google Play, and on the Stitcher app. Just search for at Wildcat News and subscribe. Every time there's a new episode, it will automatically download to your mobile device. And for more on the Wildcats, follow Oscar on Twitter. He's at Wildcat News. I'm Bo Robinson, thanking you for listening to the latest episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. And as always, Go Big Blue.